Just as a disclaimer, we want you to know that some of the movies that we will be reviewing were shot in a different time and era where people of race and sex were not treated equally. We understand this and hope you do too. The movies or anything that happened on the sets are not the views of this podcast or what this show is intended to be all about. Exactly. And we want to give due diligence in presenting the movie and not the views of the cast or directors or anyone involved. But we also feel it's necessary to let the audience know some of the background information to get a feel for what was happening at the time of shooting the film. Again, we hope you understand that we do not agree with everything that went on and we just want to give out the information. And with that being said, hope you enjoy the show. advertising man, not a red herring. I've got a job, a secretary, a mother, two ex-wives, and several bartenders dependent upon me. And I don't intend to disappoint them all by getting myself slightly killed. You can't fight it, Carrie. Someone's out to get you. By violence. Or by abduction. They'll even frame you for murder. So run for your life. Search for a man who doesn't exist. A secret nobody knows. And start a love affair in an upper berth. Hello there. Tell me, why are you so good to me? Shall I climb up and tell you why? A train may be an old-fashioned way to make a getaway. But who wants to get away from an exquisite, inquisitive blonde? How do I know you aren't a murderer? You don't. Eva Marie Saint seems to enjoy Carrie's romantic performance. But her companion, James Mason has other ideas. Ask him, Carrie. Apparently, the only performance that will satisfy you is when I play dead. In your very next role, you'll be quite convincing, I'll show you. It's one surprise after another. Adventurous Carrie, romanced by the kind of blonde that gets into a man's blood, even if she has to shoot her way in. Hey guys, welcome back to the Tragedy of Cinema podcast. I'm your host Jimbo, and I'm joined by Squeaky Terrence <laughs> and the non-Squeaky Kyle. <laughs> I was going to say Thing One and Thing Two, but um, today we'll be discussing the great movie uh, North by Northwest, which is uh, episode sixty-three for us, and it's also number forty in the top one hundred movies of all time, and it's from nineteen fifty-nine. But first, Terrence, yes. The question of the day is, who's on Mount Rushmore? Why well, you put me on blast like that? <laughs> I see Mount Rushmore 
once in this movie and another time in Richie Rich. <laughs> and then maybe some other movies. I know Lincoln's there, Washington's there, uh, Jefferson's there, and then Theodore Roosevelt. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> just have a lifeline from Kyle. <laughs> so, Kyle, your question is. I'm not Rushmore. Yes, I know this. <laughs> <laughs> Who is not on Mount Rushmore? All the other presidents. Everybody. <laughs> everyone except those four. No, I said all the other presidents. All the other presidents. Um, so, um, here we go. This is a great Alfred Hitchcock uh, film. Um, it's it. I had never seen it before, and it is a great movie. So, Terrence, let's go ahead and take it away. All right. North by Northwest came out December 18th, 1959. This hour is two hours and 16 minutes, so it's a bit long. This hour is two hours and 16 minutes. <laughs> this this, this runtime, the runtime of this movie is two hours and 16 minutes. Uh, and this movie is not rated. Um, but there is a little innuendo. There's a bit of, of suggested things happening in a couple scenes. Uh, other than that... I, th- I think it's it's. If they were rated like today, so- it'd, it'd be like a like soft a PG thirteen, maybe PG thirteen. Yeah, very really soft PG thirteen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the budget for this was three point one million. This is estimated. Uh, in the box office, it made thirteen point two million, and then internationally, it made ninety four point seven thousand. Uh, so worldwide, it made uh, thirty three point three thousand or million. Sorry, <laughs> thirteen point three million. There we go. Uh, if we're looking at the box office of 1959, uh, because the months don't go that far back, but we do have at least the year. At number one, we're looking at Ben-Hur. Number two, The Shaggy Dog. Number three, Some Like It Hot, a movie we have covered. Uh, number four, Operation uh, Petticoat. Number five, Pillow Talk. And then I, I put number six and seven, because at number seven is North by Northwest, and at number six is uh, Imitation of Life. A lot of good movies right there. And this was directed by, obviously, Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, this was written by Ernest uh, Lehman. Um, and quick interesting aside uh, for for those two. Um, they were actually supposed to work on a whole nother movie. But they came up with the idea of this movie while just collaborating with each other. And they decided to just do this movie instead without telling anyone. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, the, the studio came in and they're like, well, I mean, we like what you're doing. You guys are both notable, so we're not going to step in and stop you. So then yeah. they, they uh, I forgot the other movie that they were supposed to do, uh, but that went to somebody else and um, they ended up doing this movie. So very interesting how this movie came to be. Uh, it was also supposed to be called something entirely different, which I'm sure someone will cover because uh, mm. I cannot currently find it in my notes. The placeholder notes. Oh, <laughs> the yeah. placeholder notes. Um, we'll come around to it. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, where was I? That's right. Director of photography, we're looking at uh, Robert Burks. Editor, George uh, Tomasini. Producers, we're looking at Herbert Coleman, associate producer, and Alfred, Alfred Hitchcock, who was the main producer. And I notice he likes to produce a lot of his own movies, if not all of them. Uh, now we're looking at the technical specs. Uh, so we're looking at a sound mix of uh, Mono Westrix recording system, uh, also in Dolby SR and Dolby Digital, uh, for some of the re-releases of this movie. Um, aspect ratio 1.33 by 1, and that was for the full screen original of this film. Uh, the camera used for filming was a Mich- Mitchell VistaVision cameras. Uh, this was edited in Technicolor Hollywood, USA. 
film length. We're looking at uh, 3,725 meters Sweden, negative film format of 35 millimeters horizontal, cinematographic processes VistaVision, and a printed film format of 35 millimeter. You know, the the old common 35 millimeter. You know, and I really like movies that are done on 35 millimeter. I think it looks better. Even now... Um, today there are directors who choose to film not digitally but on 35 millimeter. It's usually a, a very artistic choice. Uh, 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 artistic choice. Um, I believe uh, the last one that I know recently. Um, I know a Guy yeah, Ritchie yeah. did. Some. You know, in <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 Guy Ritchie's uh, most recent movie, no, The Gentleman. <laughs> um, a, a handful of those scenes were filmed on 35 millimeter. Uh, yeah, film, and I largely respect you know whatever choice the you know director of photography or whatever they actually want to make in this But yeah, thirty-five millimeter is definitely a, a great choice for this for this film specifically, and in cinema and all the other. <laughs> exactly, exactly, uh, and that is uh, in, in the awards. That's how that's how jumble my like, notes are. Uh, yeah. It's okay. We've only been recording for a few years. <laughs> I'll be dead and gone. They'll get it. All right, so we we got a we got a batch of awards here, uh, unlike our last movie. So, (laughs) (laughs) Academy Awards USA 1960. only nominations, no winnings, but uh, they were nominated for Best Writing, Story, and Screenplay, Best Art Direction, and Best Film Editing. Then we have the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films, USA 2013. We haven't seen this award set in a while. Um, usually it's like every other movie that we see, this one. Uh, once again, only nominated for Best uh, DVD Blu-ray Collection, and this is kind of just all of uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Masterpiece Collection. Um, so not really for the film itself. Uh, David... The Donatello Awards, 1960, they won Best Foreign Actor, uh, Cary Grant, obviously. The shows are proud. Uh, Directors Guild of America, USA, 1960, they were nominated for uh, Outstanding Directional Achievement in Motion Pictures, uh, DVD Exclusive Awards, 2001, they were nominated for uh, Best Original Retrospective Documentary and Featurette. Then we have Edgar Allan Poe Awards, 1960. They won Best Motion Picture. The Faroe Island Film Festival, 1959. They were nominated for Best Actor, uh, Cary Grant, Best Film, and also nominated for Best Film as far as the Golden Train Award goes. Uh, The Lauren Awards, 1960. They won the Golden Laurel Top Action Drama. National Board Review USA. It hit that in 19... uh, Wait, no, that's the other one. That's the National from National Preservation Board. Uh, National, National Board Review Board. is different. USA 1959. They won uh, the NBR Award for Top 10 Films. Uh, National Film Preservation Board is what I was thinking of. USA 1995 uh, is when it was officially put in the all, National Film Preservation All these award groups just continue to have like, the most prestigious award sound name. <laughs> it's not a, and the National Board of Biff. <laughs> but Kyle, you haven't been here for the Golden Schmooze. The Golden Schmooze. What was the other one? Seen that what, in a while. what was the one with, was the like the, the Golden Rooster or something? Remember yeah, what was, was that with the golden egg a, they gave away or something? Was fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. I got ones. I gotta be out front of those. Uh, Online Film and Television Association 2005. They won the OFTA Film Hall of Fame motion picture. And we have the San Sebastian International Film Festival 1959. They won uh, the Silver Seashell. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Satellite nice Awards, 2009. They won the Satellite Award for Best DVD Collections. Not really this movie in particular, but just all of Alfred Hitchcock's works. And then finally, we have Writers Guild of America, USA 1960, 
nominated for WGA Award um, for Best uh, Written American Comedy. So, interestingly enough, not a lot of... Lots of nominations, but only a handful of winning and not so much like um, like Oscar and, um, uh, or anything like that. Yeah. So, anyways, moving on to the casting, we have Cary Grant, who plays Roger O. Thornhill. Um, you may recognize him from classic myriad classic movies like To Catch a Fish, Catch to Catch a Thief, Catch a Fish. My my country slang came out there. Give me a second, boy. I thought that was a boxing movie. To I Catch a Fish, To Catch a Fish. That's a good name for a boxing film. Arsenic and Old Lace, which we have covered. Yes, Arsenic and Old Lace, To Catch a Thief, Charade, Bringing Up Baby, and An Affair to Remember. Next up, we have Ava Marie Saint, who plays Eve Kendall. Now, you recognize her movies such as On the Waterfront, Exodus, Grand Prix, uh, Grand, Pri- Grand Prix, <laughs> P-R-I-X, Prix. Yeah, sorry. I'm going to Prix, sorry. And um, <laughs> the Grand Prix. Sometimes we pronounce the X sometimes. Sometimes we see letters and we think different things. At least you're not over there digging for buried treasure under that X. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. And also for movies like The Stocking Moon. Um, next up, we have James Mason, who plays Philip Vandom. Um, you'll recognize him from movies such as Lolita, um, A Star is Born, and 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Um, next up, going down to cast, um, less about movies that movies they've been in, but uh, we have Martin Landau playing Leonard, um, Jesse Royce Landis playing Clara Thornhill, Leo G. Carroll playing the professor, Philip Ober playing Lester, Edward playing Captain Junket. Edward Platt, <laughs> yes, Captain Junket is the real name. <laughs> Edward Platt playing Victor Larrabee, Adam Williams playing Valerian, and Josephine Hutchinson playing Mrs. Townsend. And that's pretty much all the notable actors that I see in the film <laughs> and put it on my list. That's my prepared notes go. I'm always super prepared. <laughs> yeah. And that is the cast of North by Northwest. <laughs> so, so I did find the name that this was originally called. So originally this was called The Man on Lincoln's Nose. The man. <laughs> Great moment. We chose to let actually, Jimbo take a drink. Actually, that word. there is a, uh, a, a stuff in here where uh, it was. I thought it was the man in Lincoln's nose, <laughs> but we'll get to it. I'll tell you why here in a little bit. Look at me, I'm a booger. So, <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock usually had uh, Jimmy Stewart playing in leading roles, and he made the mistake of mentioning this to Jimmy Stewart, this movie, and Stewart was all excited, like, yeah, let's do it. Um, But he thought that, Stewart thought that Hitchcock wanted him to be cast as Roger Thornhill. So he's, yeah, I'm really eager to play this role. However, Hitchcock actually wanted Cary Grant to play this role. By the time Hitchcock realized this misunderstanding, Stewart was so anxious to play Thornhill that rejecting him would have caused a great deal of disappointment. So Hitchcock delayed production on this movie until Stewart was already safely committed to filming Otto <laughs> Primmiger's Anatomy of a Murder in nineteen fifty nine before officially offering him the role in the movie. Stewart had no choice but to turn down the offer, allowing oh, Hitchcock man, you're not to cast Cary oh, Grant. Awesome! So, oh man! Oh, darn! What a friend! <laughs> Uh, this you movie, know, I had you in mind, buddy, but, you know, I'm not generally. available. <laughs> this movie has often been referred to as the first James Bond film due to its similarities with splashy, splashy, colorful settings, secret agents, and an elegant, daring, wisecracking leading man opposite a sinister yet strangely charming villain. 
The crop duster scene inspired the helicopter chase in From Russia with Love in 1963. Hmm. Okay. I, I yeah, remember, yeah, I did uh, see those parallels. Well, it's Permanent's got to, I got to later, but um, Guillermo del Toro referred to Cary Grant as the best James Bond that ever was, or the best 007 that ever oh, was. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I would go further and say that North by Northwest is the best James Bond movie that ever was. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, while on location at Mount Rushmore, there's going to be a lot of stuff in here about Mount Rushmore, but while on location at Mount Rushmore, even Marie Saint discovered that Cary Grant would charge fans 15 cents for his autograph. I'd pay 15 cents for his autograph back then. I don't know. Hey, look up the uh, price and fluctuation of 15 cents back in, what, 1958? I got it. I'm on it. I'm on it. All right, Kyle. Uh, Cary Grant found the screenplay baffling and midway through filming told Halford Hitchcock, it's a terrible script. We've already done a third of this picture and I still can't make head nor tell of it. Hitchcock knew this confusion would only help the movie. After all, Cary Grant's character had no idea what was going on either. Grant thought the movie would be as flop right up until its premiere, where it was rapturously received. By the way, it's a dollar thirty-eight. Yeah, dollar thirty. Yeah, uh, well, actually, I have a dollar thirty-seven, but yeah, because I'd still pay that even today, right? For an autograph. I, I mean, people pay a lot more. Oh, for yeah, if, if you go to any convention where you <laughs> might see thirty-five to like, fifty, as little uh, you'll see maybe at minimum you'll see like thirty dollars for an autograph, and then at most you'll see like two hundred dollars. Well, then if, then if you want to get the meet like, and greet with a handshake and the photo op and all uh, that, it's eight hundred dollars and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I gotta think this is like, depending think on who a dollar like. Basically, like, like I was just saying, dollar fifty just for things like, but like that's such a trivial number of money to ask for. You just you'd be better off like if you, if he was charging like fifteen dollars or nothing, that makes sense. But charging a dollar fifty basically, is well, so how, just, how like, much to sit down and eat lunch would be then? Right? <laughs> uh, the scene where the uh, crop duster is chasing and shooting at Thornhill was filmed with a real airplane, while the shot where the plane crashes into the fuel truck was done using large models of both truck and plane. Uh, Cary Grant was initially reluctant to accept the role of Roger Thornhill, since at 55 he was much older than the character. He didn't, he didn't look 55 in this movie. He didn't. I wouldn't think so. Um, I do have a bit about the crop duster. So, um, obviously, these were filmed separately, and this was filmed yep. out near Bakersfield, California. Um, not in Indiana um, for that particular scene. Uh, and... Then Grant uh, filmed a studio set uh, diving into a fake ditch while the plane <laughs> unspooled on a screen behind him. Yeah. So it's I thought the, that was really cool. Movie magic with that. Yeah, uh, one thing I thought was hilarious about that actual film too, about Cary Grant being so old. Um, Cary Grant's mother, I believe, it was played by uh, Jesse Rose Landis. She was only one year older than. I, th- <laughs> I thought she was like uh, four years older or seven years older. I, I think it's something right really close. It was like I'm pretty sure I, Cary Grant was born in 1904, and I'm pretty sure she was in 1903. In here, yeah. it's somewhere in. Uh, it's in the Golden you, Notes you of have Jimbo. The Golden Jimbo <laughs> notes that are on Peachtree. I, I, I was up till 3:15 this morning doing. I do have one more set uh, a note I have here. So uh, you know, apart from uh, the initial establishing shots and footage uh, in the car park, which some of the uh, scenes were filmed for Mount Rushmore. Uh, most of the majority of the action scene, or I should say all the action scenes were filmed in the MGM studio. Uh, right, and while we're talking about Mount Rushmore, uh, the um, the state park for where Mount Rushmore is, they didn't want any violence associated with Mount Rushmore. So yeah. if you notice all the action there, whether fighting and stuff, you never see Mount Rushmore in the background. Yep. So they didn't want to give them a bad eye, but still. Um, yeah. Um, also, that's yeah, kind of thing, uh, a, a notorious thing of Helford Shots for his entire career is they hated filming on location. So, like, whenever he could film just, like, around California or in a lot, he was always <laughs> for it. <laughs> right. Um, 
Kerry, or sorry, Alfred Hitchcock couldn't get permission to film inside the UN, so footage was made of the exterior of the building using a hidden camera. <laughs> the rooms were later recreated. That's awesome. He actually filmed uh, Cary Grant walking up the stairs, you know, going up the UN building. And if you watch the movie, you see a guy go, double take, because he realizes it's Cary Grant walking up the stairs. But it was Alfred Hitchcock hiding with a hidden camera. Yeah, and actually they built a set they put inside of the building. They actually, uh, uh, it was Alfred Hitchcock and I think another guest actually snuck in with a camera. And then Alfred Hitchcock was directing the photographer to take pictures so he knew how to recreate the set yeah. and actually make it. And then they called it, I believe, uh, a public assembly, you said? In the movie it's called public assembly, but in real life it's called something else, so it has a different name. Yeah. <laughs> um, rather than go to the expense of shooting in a, a South Dakota woodland, Alfred Hitchcock planted 100 ponderosa pines on an MGM soundstage. Get this, less than eight feet of film was cut from the final release. Eight feet is about five seconds or 120 frames. That is, that is some yeah. really good editing. That is some tribute to Avicii and his work. More like he he comes to these movies full form. I can't know? wait to see really the found footage. Five seconds. I blinked. What? What? The extended edition. Wait, nothing changed. It's just five seconds of extra. There you go. Jesse Royce Landis was only seven years older than Cary Grant, who plays her son in a previous Hitchcock film, To Catch a Thief. She played his prospective mother-in-law. Oh wow. Uh, Save history. <laughs> Roger Thornhill, I think is, is it Roger? Roger? Yes, Roger. Thank you. Thank you. I'm paying attention. I'm here. If you um, notice, he prints on the left side of the screen for almost the entire movie. Oh snap! Huh? <laughs> now that I think about like, it, like you know, where they're sitting on the train car, he's always on the left side. Yeah, yes. He's standing on the left side of the road when the airplane comes. Mm-hmm. Speaking of uh, uh, the train, there was one line in particular that they censored. Uh, so I believe the the line that the uh, uh, main actress uh, says is. Um, Eve uh, Cape Kendall says something. I, I I don't eat and talk love or something like that. Oh, oh no, yeah, we'll was, get to yeah. it. <laughs> it's in the in golden Jimbo's, notes on Jimbo's golden notes. <laughs> it is highlighted with the gold marker. Um, Where's the set? Okay, the day before the scene where Thornhill is hidden in the upper berth was to be filmed, Cary Grant took a look at the set which had been built and told Sir Alfred Hitchcock, it's been constructed sloppily and I would not do for, and I would not do for the movie. Hitchcock trusted Grant's judgment so completely that he ordered the set to be rebuilt to better standards without even checking on the situation. Wow. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. You gotta love that kind of power. This is the only uh, movie Alfred Hitchcock made for MGM Studios. Uh, Jace, James Mason, James Mason, who played Philip Vandom, uh, suffered a severe heart attack shortly after the filming ended. Uh, Alfred Hitchcock had planned a sequence where Roger Thornhill hid and Abraham Lincoln's nose <laughs> had a sneezing fit. Park officials would not allow this to be filmed, but Hitchcock tried and tried again. Finally, someone asked Hitchcock, how would it feel if it were the other way around? And Lincoln was having a sneezing fit in Cary Grant's nose. <laughs> Hitchcock immediately understood and the scene was never filmed. However, the man in Lincoln's nose was used in a gag working title. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like how, how would you like if Cary Grant was in Lincoln's nose? Or, you know, or Lincoln was in Cary Grant's nose. You're like, what? Well, now <laughs> you know, I get now it. I understand. <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock, everybody. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, famed art director and special effects artist Albert Robert Whitlock, who worked on several Hitchcock movies, but not this one, painted a painting of Mount Rushmore and superimposed the face of Alfred Hitchcock into the rock sculptures on the mountain as a joke. The painting exists in a private collection. <laughs> so you were wrong at the beginning of the movie. Alfred Hitchcock is on there. 
Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> Cary Grant received four hundred fifty thousand dollars for this movie, a substantial amount for the time, plus a percentage of the profits. He also received three hundred fifteen thousand in penalty fees for having to stay nine weeks past the time for which his contract called, and that's why he was okay with filming, yeah. even not understanding that he saw the the, the script. The, 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 he like, saw the check, and he's like, no, "I'm doing the movie. <laughs> yeah. I got oh, this. You need me here another week? All right, <laughs> pretty much. No problem. You'll pay me. If, okay, I'm good. If you insist, twist my arm. Uh, the house near the end of this movie was not real. Uh, house exterior or matte paintings. Uh, for the crop dusting scene, Cary Grant, you already talked about that yep. one. We'll skip that one. Uh, Alfred Hitchcock planned to shoot a scene in the Ford automobile plant in Dearborn, Michigan. As Thornhill and a factory worker discussed a particular foreman at the plant, they would walk the, along the entire assembly line as a car was put together from the first bolt to the final panel. Then, as the car rolled off the line ready to drive, Thornhill would open the passenger door and out would roll the body of the foreman that they had just been discussing. Hitchcock loved the idea of a body appearing out of nowhere, but he and the screenwriter Ernest Lehman couldn't figure out a way to make the scene fit the story, so it never came to fruition. A similar scene is seen in Minority Report. And Kyle, you know, when um, you worked at Ford, so do I, yeah. uh, where, you know, you open those doors, I can see, you know, doing your, that one job, yeah. open the door to throw the keys in, and some body just yeah, falls out. <laughs> actually, I think I actually is having me with some friends before as a prank, but... <laughs> <laughs> I can certainly imagine the experience. Um, another fact I realized about that—that that was actually that was going to be if they had done it, it would have been the longest dolly shot ever at that point, and probably for many years afterwards of actually trying to. Could you imagine, like, you know how long those production production lines can actually go? We both know yeah, how long those lines go. Exactly. So if you're there, for like, especially going from the body shop to the paint. To- Oh yeah, well, yeah. Like the we whole, didn't even talk about I mean, that. The whole process takes literally days to actually complete a, one single vehicle right. in an assembly line. But even like trying to even get a section of that and compress it down to fit in a movie would be incredibly difficult. Right. I would have loved to see him try it, but I don't know if he actually could see, succeed. You know. In 2006, a panel of GQ magazine fashion experts said the gray suit worn by Cary Grant throughout almost the entire movie was the best suit in movie history. It is also the most influential on men's style, stating that it has since been copied by Tom Cruise's character in Collateral in 2004 and Ben Affleck's character in Paycheck in 2003. Also great movies. Why well, I like Collateral a lot. No, I like Paycheck. But you know what? Paycheck was interesting. How Wearing a suit is rough sometimes anyway, but acting in a suit and doing all yeah. those stunts, that'd be really, like John Wick, you know, it's and all that stuff. I mean, oh, you know. yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And that's where you get, like, those like, well, $10,000 suits you... that are actually built to actually work yeah. in action. Right. Mostly because I feel like, with, with particularly like the blazer, it always kind of restricts your upper, like, like your motions. arms up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's why I always like it. Really is like, it's the action movie suit is so much different than a real life suit. It has to be Cary Grant is always like buttoned up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when the professor is walking on the tarmac to the airplane with Thornhill, there are two airplane stairs behind them. The way they are placed. The one closest to the camera says northwest. The one behind it, partially blocked, shows the word north, which shows to the left of the word northwest, hence north by northwest. Among the problems that the production code found with this movie was the effeminacy of the henchman Leonard, <laughs> Martin Landau. So the, huh. uh, the old, uh, what we call them guys, the, uh, uh, the ones that have all the roles for the uh, movies. We talked about a member. Oh, they, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. The- uh, I, I'm blinking too. Do you know I, what I'm talking about? <laughs> you know that word that the, they all know. That and I'm going to tear into their tongues. But before um, the coding, the uh, uh, look it up, Terrence. You yeah. know what I'm talking about. I'm not sure. Uh, Roger <laughs> Thornhill is saved three times on his journey by Eve. He hides in the toilet on the train when she sends the police in the other direction. She hides him in her bunk bed in her cabin, and she gives him her shaving cake to disguise his face in the station bathroom. In Greek mythology, the hero, often on a journey, is always saved three times. 
Huh, that's interesting kind of thing. Um, I guess he's technically saving her when I talk about I was thinking of the, the dining room scene or the or the um, the Mount Rushmore attraction area where they go in the cafeteria. I was thinking about that scene where oh. technically I guess he's saving her to some degree. Right. According to the book Haunted Idol, the story of the real Cary Grant, uh, Cary Grant wanted Sophia Loren to play the part of Eve Kendall, but she turned down the role. Uh, so he didn't get what he wanted. Alfred Hitchcock, though, I, I, as long as he gets a, as long as he gets a pretty blonde, he's always happy. Alfred <laughs> <laughs> like Hitchcock yeah. is a creature of habit in that way. <laughs> right? Did you find it, Terrence? Still looking. <laughs> Still working at it. Mostly because my connection's really slow. Oh. His name is Sector. Um, <laughs> MGM wanted Gregory Peck to star as Roger with Thornhill, but Alfred Hitchcock refused, claiming that he was too stone-faced. <laughs> <laughs> it's Mount Rushmore! ba boom stone, stone, stone faces That's great. Uh, and the training dining car, Eve tells Thornhill she is 26 years old at the time. Eva Marie Saint was actually 34 years old. She didn't look 34. Hmm. Uh, around 44 minutes, there is a female train passenger who some fans think is Alfred Hitchcock in disguise. <laughs> it certainly does look like him, but while Hitchcock wasn't above dressing a drag for the sake of a joke, the person in question was Jesslyn Fax, a character actress who appeared in several other Hitchcock movies. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, the movie's title is a reference to a line from Hamlet, Act 2, Scene 2. I am but mad north northwest when the wind is southerly. I know a hawk from a handsaw. Kyle, would you like to take a deep dive into Hamlet one day and just give us your whole thoughts? I mean, you jest, but also I probably could. Uh, I was kind of I, was, I got really into Shakespeare after a while, but was, <laughs> another life, another time, That's another, another podcast. Uh, <laughs> That's be the tragedy of book reading. Uh, and the fictional Thornhill had plans as he stayed to attend the Winter Garden Theater when the movie opened in the U.S. in July of 1959 when he was kidnapped from the Oak Room. His tickets would have been to see West Side Story. Hmm. West Side Story. Another classic movie. Right? Also parody. Put that as like an interim scene in the middle of North by Northwest. Really really confused. The song Roger whistles while taking a shower is Singing in the Rain. Terrence, did you find it? I have not. It is a full search. We have top men on this operation. We will get down to the bottom of this. We found Osama bin Laden. We can get this turned. Don't make me send the millennial in. Millennial. Find out what it was called. The uh, censors, the censorship, the censor people. I mean, as far as I've seen, it's just the film censorship. Uh, no, that's right. Never mind. Continuing on. Yeah. The scene, maybe they'll know, have this by the end of, <laughs> by the, end the, of the week. Uh, the scene of Mount Rushmore, Eva Marie Saint slips down and bashes her elbow actually happened. So ah. she, what? It's called the Hayes Code. It was called the That's Hayes what Code. it was. Yeah. The Hayes Code. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so a it was movie. The, the code governing, to govern the making of motion pictures. I had the bunch of rules. Uh, we first mentioned it in our Psycho episode when uh, it first showed the, uh, shower, toilet, uh, the toilet flushing. Yeah, yeah. That's that what was, it was also part of the code. Yep. Um, do you remember the scene on Mount Rushmore where Eva Marie Saint slips down and bashes her elbow? Remember? And she's yeah, like, oh, yeah. And Cary Grant rushes over there. It actually happened. Um, both the pain she shows and Grant's reaction are both real. By contrast, the scene where she is dangling from a cliff was an illusion. Uh, I mean... <laughs> That's a good was, trade-off, I think. She was <laughs> laying on a cliff prop that was sloping 45 degrees and only seen from directly above, so in no danger of falling. So... Uh, Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin were considered for the role of Roger Thornhill. Interesting. Yeah. I can see Frank Sinatra doing that easily. Dean Martin, that's an interesting little look. Yeah. yeah. It'd be interesting Frank Sinatra because he would have 
done it his way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or Zayers call it my way. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alfred Hitchcock and Ernest Leham considered Yul Brenner, which we talked about in our Magnificent Seven episode, yeah. uh, for the role of Philip Van Damme, which I, that would have been interesting too. Um, Alfred Hitchcock considered Elizabeth Taylor for the role of Eve Kendall, and I was, I don't know, man. That'd be a very different film. Yeah. In a lot of respects. Um, yeah. While waiting different for Philip Van... <laughs> <laughs> while waiting for Philip Van Damme and Eve Kendall at Mount Rushmore, Roger Thornhill says he doesn't like the way that Teddy Roosevelt is looking at him. In Arsenic and Old Lace, Grant played Mortimer Brewster, whose brother thinks he's Teddy Roosevelt. If you have not seen that movie, that is a great movie. That's a movie. classic film. I've seen Arsenic and Old Lace. Uh, this is on the uh, <laughs> Thousand and One Movies You Must See Before You Die. There goes my papers. Um, wasn't dusting for this world. Do what? The, your paper. No. <laughs> uh, the cop dusting uh, location was, as Terrence said, in Wasco, California. Um, Bakersfield. About one mile north of Highway 46 on Derry and Concornian Road. The corn used was from the Wasco High School farm huh. and replanted on the site where the scene was shot. The crossroads did not exist and was later added to the scene. I believe it was of four thousand dollars to blow to grow the the corn rows, and actually that would have been about approximate price about three thousand dollars today. Yeah. Let me ask you a question: when when he's <laughs> when they're doing the 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 planes come down the corn rows, you know what I thought? I thought that that thing was going to get so low that the propeller was going to start cutting the corn. You know what I mean? I thought, how awesome would this be? But the guy had enough respect to not to take the guy's crops and just dust it with that poison or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we'll continue on. Uh, <laughs> many of the cars used in the early scenes in the New York City taxi, the Gun Club police car, and the court, uh, county detective's cars are 1958 Ford sedans. Uh, William Holden was suggested to play Roger Thornhill, but was never actually offered the part. And what movie was he in that we just recently covered? William Holden. William Holden was cast. in. You're the cast guy. I am the cast you guy. Better I look I it up. Everything you better look it up. But <laughs> also, uh, Vera Miles was a candidate for Eve Kendall, and uh, she was in. Um, I believe she was in the uh, Mirror Mirror um, on the Wall. No, Mirror Mirror uh, Mirror Image uh, Twilight Zone that we've covered on the oh, Twilight okay, Zone series. Uh, the film went nearly one million dollars over budget. Oh wow. <laughs> The title of the video game, Norse by Norse-West, The Return of the Lost Vikings in 1997, <laughs> is a reference to this movie. In it, one of the animal characters is continuously mistaken for another animal by the other characters. <laughs> You're a duck. No, I'm not. <laughs> that's that's uh, fantastic. DVDs of North by Northwest are on sale in the gift shop at Mount Rushmore National Memorial in clear view of the mountainside sculpture on which the movie's climax is staged. The actors had to work on a mock-up of the famous sculpture because the U.S. Interior Department banned filming on the monument. So mm, Rude. Did you find <laughs> William, Holden, William Holden? Did you find it? I, I, I am looking at William Holden films right now, and I do not. Re I don't recognize what film you're talking about. I don't know. Do you remember? I, do you, are you just quizzing no. me right now? No, I'm just asking you, you. You honestly don't know. I'm looking at William Holden's cast. I have no idea. Was he I, in a Twilight Zone? Uh, no, he wasn't in a Twilight Zone. As long as we get right William Holden. That's right, William Holden, right? <laughs> Why you ask me? I can't. I, I you, don't know. I, I'm I a was, guy. I'm a millennial, Jimbo. So, so another interesting <laughs> you know, six thousand movies. <laughs> another interesting thing about the title, uh, besides it, you know, showing up uh, inside the movie itself. But when asked why the movie's called North by Northwest, uh, Alfred Hitchcock was j just named it that. He had no rhyme or reason to name it that. And it has but the man in Lincoln knows would have been pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that really would have captured the comedy of this movie, which is pretty. 
<laughs> nice. <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't expect it to be as uh, as comedic. It, it as deals with serious like. topics. We have such a ridiculous main character right? that it just it uh, you know it very, alleviates very so much witty. of the Like a lot of his yeah. uh, witty retorting is it's is just great. I didn't expect it. <laughs> Do it you remember true. when uh, we just talked about that? If he would have went to see the uh, movie that he said he was going to see was West Side Story, right? So at Grand Central Station, Cary Grant attempts to buy a train ticket from Ned Glass. Glass in 1961 played Doc in West Side Stories. <laughs> uh, the director cameo, Alfred Hitchcock, at around two minutes in. The man arriving at a bus stop during the opening credits, but getting there a second too late, and the door is closed in his face. He misses the bus. So, um, And the director's trademark, Alfred Hitchcock, the bathroom. Thornhill hides in a bathroom three times. Alfred Hitchcock's the mother. Uh, Roger had a close relationship with his mother, as we've seen in Psycho. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, MGM put a great deal of pressure on Alfred Hitchcock to eliminate the scene in the woods after Eve shoots Roger. Oops, spoiler alert. Uh, Spot, MGM felt that it was an unnecessary scene that incurred the needless expense of building the set on a soundstage using 100 Ponderosa Pines. Hitchcock, however, felt that it was an indispensable scene because it's the first meeting between Roger and Eve since he learned that she was a double agent. Hitchcock won out in the end, thanks to his contract that gave him complete artistic control of the movie, regardless of production, time, or cost. <laughs> that guy knew how to sign a contract. Yeah, I was like, stuff right? just, no uh, one gets away with anything. Nobody thinks about, you know what I mean? Mm. That's where a lot of directors get sort of uh, shoehorned, is they have this idea in a movie, and then the studio will come in and say no, and nine times out of ten, they have to abide by it, and they either have to remove it, and it ends up in a director's cut. Uh, that's you know an extra hour that pops up on HBO. <laughs> <laughs> Five hours later, and Zack Snyder's still not good. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> uh, the final chasing was not shot on Mount Rushmore. Alfred Hitchcock couldn't gain permission to shoot an attempted murder on a national monument. <laughs> the scene was shot in the studio on a replica of Mount Rushmore with some footage filmed at the actual monument intercut within the studio scenes. Everything is shot carefully so as to avoid not uh, to not avoid associating the faces of the monument with the violence. The final, sh- <laughs> I can't say, say the same phrase. Uh, the final shot of the train entering the tunnel was a sexual reference. Alfred Hitchcock came up with the innuendo and considered it one of his finest naughtiest achievements. Ernest Lehman's screenplay just ended with the train heads off into the distance, or words to that effect. There's no way I could take credit for the tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> And the crop scene is a homage to the X, or paid, was paid homage to the in the X Files, nineteen ninety eight, when Mulder and Scully are pursued by helicopters. Another crop field. Martin Landill appeared in both of those films. So, Terrence, wait, hold on. There's one more note that you said you had, but it's not. You Which didn't one? mention it. The uh, the edited line, the censored line. Oh, it's in here. I just don't think I highlighted it. Let me find. Yeah, it, it was. Um, well, me here. I'm gonna oh, there it is, right here. Oh. Uh, even Reese had to redub a particular line during post production to satisfy censors. The original line was, I never make love on an empty stomach, but was changed to, I never discuss love on an empty stomach. Yet the final scene, after she and Carrie Grant are basing on the upper berth, shows a train entering a tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, I just want to share my favorite quote, quote from the film. Roger Thornhill was asked who he is, basically. And he says, Now you listen to me. I'm an advertising man, not a red herring. I've got a job, a secretary, a mother, and two ex wives, and several bartenders that depend upon me. And I don't intend to disappoint them by getting myself killed. <laughs> I like how he, I like how he has the uh, mammograms on his matches. The rot, rot. Yeah, but that plays an integral role in the movie. You know, when he throws it down at the yeah. end. Yeah, the matches and yep. So Terrence, we'll let you go first on this one. I really enjoy this. Uh, this is another movie, very first time watching it, um, and didn't even know about it until we were discussing uh, possibly watching this uh, beforehand. 
Really glad I watched it. Um, I, it's probably one of my absolute favorite Hitchcock movies, and I, I really do enjoy Hitchcock's works in general, um, but this is definitely up there. Uh, I will be watching it again. Uh, it was comedic. The main character, um, portrayed by Cary Grant, is just his lines are so hilarious and witty and i didn't expect that coming into it all i knew was sort of the you know synopsis of like oh mistaken identity you know they, they think he's a spy so i thought it was going to be sort of this the serious um and it has a serious you moments, know, espionage thriller yeah, kind of yeah yeah espionage kind of thriller thing but i didn't expect sort of the the absolute wittiness and sort of comedic aspect of it alongside uh some of the more serious notes it's uh, kind of like you were saying before um it's the best not bond movie it's yeah. the best Bond that's not Bond. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. Uh, really, really enjoyed it. And uh, if yeah. you enjoy thrillers, if you enjoy Bond, um, definitely check this movie out. I think it's worth watching. It definitely uh, is on the top 100 for a reason. Um, that's, all, that's all I got. I, I, I really did enjoy it. Uh, there's not too many complaints I had about it. In fact, I, don't, I really don't have any. It was just a, it's a movie I sat down and had my attention the whole time. Uh, enjoyed the acting from just the whole cast. It, it was a phenomenal movie. I really enjoyed it. Uh, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Next person. Anyways, on to me. Uh, Kyle. <laughs> Couldn't think of a segue, so we'll just jump right I in. thought you just forgot his name. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, North by Northwest, I think it's pure cinema entertainment. It is one of the, it is a near perfect film. It is by far my favorite Alfred Hitchcock film, if you know, and I think it's the best, even though uh, Gemino Jumbo disagrees. We'll get to that, you know, another time. But, um, oh, will we? Why do you think I always go last in these situations? <laughs> <laughs> he demands the final word, he has his hostage. Help us. <laughs> Anyways, um, yes, this is pure cinema entertainment, uh, masterclass in filmmaking. Alfred Hitchcock is doing his best work ever, and um, I absolutely love this film. I think the, the you know, it's iconic lines, iconic scenes, and just a necessary movie to see all the time. So finally, we go back to Jimbo. How do you feel about North by Northwest? Well, great movie. Great movie. Um, when... I had never seen this movie. I've always seen the picture of the cover of Cary Grant running with that airplane behind him. You know what I mean? I'm like, man, this yeah. looks really interesting. I'll sit down and watch it one day. But you know how you always <laughs> say, I'll watch it another time and you, you never get do. to. Right. So for me, what I was expecting in this movie is, okay, this guy's framed, so he's going to go find the other guy and he's going to be playing two parts in this movie. That's what I thought, you know, mm-hmm. that there was. But to come to find out that there is no other guy. <laughs> he's totally made up. Yeah. Uh, and you know, and he's trying to go uh, from uh, which was a very interesting plot. California to catch. right to Chicago. Yeah. He's wearing those sunglasses. You know what I mean? He's <laughs> yeah. doing everything he can. Like uh, they're looking for him on the train station tracks. They're looking for him at the train stations. He's got like in the bathroom. He's got the shaving cream on his face. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and all that. Um, just it always kept you on the edge of your seat because he was always so close to getting caught. Um, and then you find out that that Eve lady is actually in cahoots with the bad guys, you know, on the phones and all that. And you know he's getting set up for failure. But then he starts getting catching wind of it, you know, in, in the, the uh, hotel when he's in there with her. And he acts like he's taking a shower. And, oh, he, you yeah. know, yeah. She, she, she's on the phone and she leaves and all that. So, I mean, it had my attention the entire time. It's a great movie. It's a great Alfred Hitchcock movie. I cannot highly recommend this movie enough. Uh, this is actually... Um, there's a few... Odd and end, you know, like the the innuendo and and the the, the whole thing between him and her, uh, you can see it coming a mile away that he really likes her. Um, but 
it's a clean movie. Yeah. Um, there's there's nothing I would say would just over the making line. me my kids not let my kids watch it without me even viewing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it's a really great movie. Cary Grant is an amazing actor. Um, he's quickly moving up my list as one of my favorite actors. Um, yeah, for sure. Very great actor. Um, Brilliant, everything he is. Oh, everything. Yeah. And back to what we said earlier about how many like hip like it is like the softest of soft PG thirteen. I would think. Yeah. I would think like purely on like there are some like some sexually suggestive ideas, maybe. Right, like, but barely, if you're, nothing you're, that you like, wouldn't see in other PG thirteen movies, or even PG movies, even PG movies though. Like it is like right in the line of like okay, you think maybe a little bit of tobacco use or alcohol consumption, like those kind of things push it to just about PG thirteen. But even though it's still it's really basically a PG PG movie at heart. Right. I mean, I know? can't I can't think of any language in this movie that I remember? No, no, never any snippets. No. Um, it's I just, think which is also what makes it witty because you have a lot of interesting banter without uh, any, you know, cussing really. <laughs> and I, don't I think there's any. Yeah. And I think that's what makes Hitchcock such a great director because he pushes the limits. He films things he's not supposed to film on the inside or the outside, but he does it secretly anyway and gets away with it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, I just think he's a great director. I think Cary Grant's a great actor. That lady, Eve, she played a great, great part. Um, Even the bad guys. um, The two guys that uh, was a Van Damme and... uh, uh, I forget the other guy. Remember, remember too. Remember he pulls because <laughs> yeah. at the end he pulls out that gun and shoots him, and you're like, yeah. "Oh my goodness!" He just shot him. He's like, "No, see, this is what she had in her purse, and she shot him." Yeah, and you're yeah. like, "Well, I'm not going to give it too much away because you need to watch this movie." But great movie had me entertained the whole way. I could not figure it out, and then that happened, and I was like, "Oh no, what just happened? This is the end of the movie." Um, great movie. So <laughs> great movie. Yeah, yeah. it's. It's probably in my top twenty of all time. That's how good it was. It deserves to be up there. I, if anyone says it's a favorite film, like it's totally respectable. Anyone right. can say it's great. You know, it's just, it's it's that good of a film. Yep. It is. Yeah, any, any film that I know I'm going to revisit, I can immediately put it on my favorites. Like if it's that, it's my top because I like to revisit it. Mm-hmm. Right. I'll watch it more than once. Exactly. Yeah. And like yeah. our last film, which I probably put on the shelf for a long time. <laughs> watch yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I think this episode is coming to a close, and that's a wrap. Wait, wait, wait. Our next episode oh, is going man. to be What's it gonna Stagecoach. Be? The so old John sure Wayne, John Ford, Stagecoach. So John then you Wayne. can follow along in our episode. Thanks, Terrence. You actually remembered something. You can't remember half the other stuff we talk about, but he's like, wait, you forgot this line. Wait, you forgot this. And this broken <laughs> clock is right twice a day. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, they say uh, even a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. <laughs> Tragedy Seminar here. We are sharp as marbles. <laughs> We are sharp as a chalkboard with dry erase markers. <laughs> okay, so yes, yeah, Stagecoach uh, next week for episode, what is that, 64, I do believe? Yeah, and that's the 1939, because there are like two others, but who cares about those? Right. You're watching the 1939 Black John Wayne Stagecoach. Right. Okay, so now I think this episode is coming to a close. Yes, right? and now it's a wrap. And I think that's now a wrap. And, and cut. cut. You know, you guys are getting pretty good at that. Mm-hmm. <laughs>